20 seconds until Be Green with Amy's live stream. Five, four, three, two, and we're live with Be Green with Amy. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Be Green with Amy. I'm Amy. Back in 2012, I adopted a whole food plant-based lifestyle and I've maintained my weight loss and still have fantastic health. And I love to interview people who either have adopted this lifestyle or make it easier for those who do. And I'm really glad you're here too because you're voting today. So remember, whenever you click like or subscribe or type in a comment or just say hi, or you could even say, be strong, be well, and be green. Anything in there is in those comment boxes. That's what's going to be helpful to get the word out for this lifestyle. So we are going to be able to have you vote on the internet. And we're going to be having a special guest today. We're going to be taking your questions for him. So just keep typing them in all throughout the broadcast. And towards the end, we're going to bring up those questions. And so now I would like to introduce my very special guest. David Stack began Stack's Urban Harvest with a mission to inspire and educate new gardeners to grow their own food using organic methods, especially in South Florida, where it's many challenges. But much of the advice that David gives applies to all gardeners, regardless of their location. And so please, Help me give a warm welcome to David Stack. Welcome, David. Hi, Amy. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, I'm so glad that you're here. We kind of met um, on on the internet, kind of in a chat kind of thing, because I was looking for uh, a moringa tree seed, right. <laughs> and you were so kind that you uh, you sent it to me. And not only that, but I had questions about it and you answered them. And it was just so very nice to, to have that happen. And so then I, I learned more about you because it seems like you have a, a wonderful uh, YouTube channel. And then you also are doing some uh, a lot of other different things as well. So how did you get started with this gardening part of your life? So uh, growing up in Southern California, it was just uh, something I enjoyed doing. And uh, and my father was really into gardening. And um, my brother and I had nothing in common. He, While he was rebuilding engines, I was potting flowers. And my dad built a greenhouse. And, uh, and I took over the greenhouse. It became mine. <laughs> I couldn't wait to get home from high school so I can uh, be in the garden. And they talked me into doing track and I went uh, my first day of track I, I was so miserable I quit and I, I was like why would I do this because I could be home in the greenhouse and be in the garden uh, and, instead of this so it's it's just uh, something I love to do and when I moved to Florida however it was it was just the first couple of years of trying to garden were a failure and it was it was I was like, why? It's not like I'm new to gardening. Why? Why isn't it working for me? <laughs> and I had to learn a whole new set of rules to deal with our poor soil and our just the, a lot of different challenges we have, the humidity. 
Right. So I think it's great because we who um, watch your channel and, and communicate with you, we have the benefit of your experience um, in different areas of, of the states to, to see how different gardens uh, react to the weather and the different kinds of plants. And yes, there's for, for we have a lot of people that are watching in, in other areas of the world. But for those that are that are living in the southern hemisphere, their gardens are going to be a whole different kind of uh, story compared to those in the northern hemisphere. Right. So. Yeah. So I'm really glad that you um, that you're here. Um, you you give a lot of great advice. Now, how how long have you been in South Florida? Uh, I moved here. I moved to Tampa first in uh, in '98, and then uh, uh, let's see, and then down here to two thousand in two thousand. So, okay. <laughs> twenty around twenty ten is is when I got back into gardening. So I kind of shelved that part of my life for a little while and rediscovered my love of of gardening. Uh, when I say gardening, for me, gardening to grow food and here we have tomato season and these are some of my first tomatoes from the garden this is golden king of siberia and this is black vernissage and i've got a uh, black beauty down here i've got a lot more that's that's uh gonna be ready to harvest soon uh this is python it's a python uh, snake bean, uh, which is part of the gourd family and is crunchy, delicious, really good, very tasty. Now, how does that, wait a minute, you have to tell me, how does that grow? Is that, you said it's part of the gourd family, so it, it kind of yeah. grows not underground. These love to grow up my moringa trees, and you just see these snakes um, flowing from the trees, and when it's when it's before I broke this up or cut it up, it really looks like a snake. <laughs> if you go through my videos, uh, you'll see a thumbnail where you got you see these snakes that I'm with me in my cowboy hat, and that's what this is. And it's um, if you if you let it get too mature, it's a little bit too fibrous. Um, but uh, when it's when you pick it young enough, it's nice and tender. Yeah, so you're eating it raw. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's really good. Wow. Well, that I mean, that, you said under your moringa tree, and I had just said that I have have one because of your pod that you sent to me. So now you got me thinking. <laughs> I need some snakes growing <laughs> underneath my I'll just, tree. I'll just some seeds. <laughs> so. A lot of our audience, we have we have audience that are into gardening, and then we have audience that are into a plant-based lifestyle. And I think that, are you incorporating some of that plant-based lifestyle into into your yes. life? Oh, absolutely. Uh, so I when I found out a few years ago that a nephew of mine had uh, cancer, a very rare form of cancer that can be uh, just very cruel to children, um, and he passed away, but uh, during that time when my my brother, he's the oldest of, of four siblings, 
he asked me, since he's not internet savvy, he asked me to do some research on the, help him with research on that. And so um, I, my best source was actually a coworker who she was diagnosed with, uh, with breast cancer. And so she told me about the acid versus alkaline diet, um, that you want to put more alkaline foods, mo most vegetables. Well, actually, I think all vegetables are alkaline. Um, and then uh, blueberries is, are one of the very few things that, yeah, there's a lot of health benefits, but they're, they're acidic. And that's okay to have some to have some acid in your diet. But as we know, sugar is, is uh, very acidic and, and can be, if, if you have too much of just about anything, uh, it can be unhealthy. But, you know, to help put more of uh, alkaline into my diet, I started green smoothies. Now, this isn't green because I put, and it's called a <clears throat> black pusa acida carrot into this uh, green. And so it, it turned it kind of purple and dark purple. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's delicious. I have a mixture of fruits and and when I can, when I have fruit from the property, I call it fruit from the farm. Uh, then I you know incorporate that. But right now I'm buying store bought frozen frozen berries and put the putting that that in there. Uh, and then so a mixture of fruits, vegetables, uh, leafy greens. These are some of my edible perennials, beautiful landscape perennials. That, uh, they, they almost look like house plants. <laughs> I know. These are not house plants. I bought these inside to for the show today. <coughs> Excuse me. So, yeah, I mean, this is something that your HOA, if you have a, you know, real picky HOA, they're not going to complain about this. It looks like a beautiful landscape plant but it's also delicious and this so what is, is that what is it called david this is called uh, south sea salad tree and then this is, is a, it is it like a tree like it's woody like a tree uh, it gets a little woody down here but it's uh it's it's mostly uh it's not like hardwood and mm -hmm. uh this it only gets about nine to, to eleven feet tall and it's and it's if in if it's in the right conditions, the right environment, and this is a sister of the same plant. It, it gets just as big, just a little more decorative with the leaves, and uh, it's just beautiful and you know it tastes good. <laughs> uh, so yeah, these are some of my favorite uh, edible perennials that. Look good. Wait, is that, this is Katuk. Yeah, Katuk. Yeah, this so this is a, a variegated version of Katuk and the leaves right. taste like peanuts. So variegated, if I think I remember variegated, does it kind of mean that it has it's not a solid color? Is that what that right. means? Right. Right. So it's not a sol there's a solid green version and there's a variegated. So you got a mixture of uh, whites in there. Yeah, I think I have the solid, the solid one. Do you think that there's a difference in the taste or, or 
or just by the just the looks alone is what different. Uh, I think it's just in the looks. Uh, I, uh, I'm I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think what's fun about that um, katuk plant is that when it's more mature and you would break off a branch, you you can kind of just grab the stem and then just kind of uh, zip, and all the leaves just kind of come off. Yeah. And, yeah. and then you have this handful of leaves. Yeah, it's uh, it's so eat. yeah, it's so easy to add to the smooth green smoothies too. Um, uh -huh. So, speaking of variegated, this is a variegated version of Cuban oregano, uh, which is you know good to use to flavor meats and uh, or make a tea with it. It's medicinal. It smells like oregano. I have the I have the non-variegated Cuban oregano, and um, I've just used it raw, where I chop it up very finely and sprinkle it on salads, and wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's very powerful. You don't need I know. much of it, and and unfortunately, it's like one of my best plants. <laughs> I'm ignoring it, and it's growing prolifically. Yeah, and I can't keep up with. I mean, what would you do with? I mean, you hate to waste it. So what 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 do you what would you recommend doing with it besides putting it in a salad or a smoothie? Anything else that like sure. would you dry it or? Sure, you could you could dry it. Um, but, uh, you know, when I have excess, I, I feel the same way. I hate to waste it, but then, uh, I, I have the compost for that too. If I have an excess of anything, put it in the compost, it's not wasting. It's get, it's going to have another life and another form to provide nutrients for other plants. Right. Right. Now, when you say compost, do you have worms in there or it's just, oh no, just compost? Well, someday I'll get into, uh, to, to warm composting, but right now I have three tumblers and uh, there's, you know, some, I really, uh, I plan to do on my channel, I plan to do a, a series on composting. There's so yeah. much I could talk about in about composting. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. I mean, there's just so many wonderful things that you can grow and, and not have to worry about you know, that they can kind of almost grow like weeds. And I'm glad that you put it. I mean, that's even another topic, just HOA uh, plants that you can put in your landscaping and not have to worry about about uh, your HOA uh, not not permitting you to have those plants. That's sure. really great. Yeah. Uh, this is a cranberry hibiscus. And this is... Oh, yeah. This is... Uh, this is one of the very best tasting leaves. It's a, when I give a garden tour and I let people taste this, they to, I just love to watch their their expression. They're they're surprised. They they don't expect the burst of flavor, <laughs> and it's so it's my it's the highlight for me of, of the garden tour. And this one's so, just getting ready to flower, and their flowers are so beautiful. And you can eat the leaves raw, right? Oh yeah. And then, and then now people, most people who, especially those that don't grow it, they might be more familiar with the hibiscus tea. So how does, does that, is that the same kind of plant that you would get the tea? Now there's a number of um, edible hibiscus and, and actually this is, these are also considered edible hibiscus, but um, I'm not sure the details and how they work that because this is actually related to okra. So 
I'm just telling you what I've read. <laughs> right, because it's just yeah. so many variations and things that right. to, to learn about. But I'm pretty yeah. certain. I'm pretty certain the hibiscus tea is not made from from this. It, from it the cranberry has, hibiscus, uh, it's another. Yeah, there's uh, probably some. Uh, there's some other close relatives to this. Um, there's one that has uh, more decorative leaves, not a, not as much of a an oak leaf like this one does. Uh, I right. actually outside. So you mentioned that it's going to be flowering. Can you? Are the flowers edible as well? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. In fact, uh, these flowers to make tea from these, you can, um, the day after it flowers is the best time to pluck it, collect the, those ex, um, expired buds and make a tea out of it. So would you dry it or you would just throw it in a, just, in a just hot water. water, hot water and steep it for a few minutes. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. And then uh, I, I actually have one of those as well. And mm -hmm. I, I just for somebody had said that I could just as it grew that I could trim it back and then just stick, stick the cuttings directly into the ground. Yes. And that just that just blew me away. Too. Yeah. Actually, yeah. just about I think everything I have here is the same way. Uh, these these I started from cuttings. Uh, yeah, everything, everything I, I have here. This is sisu spinach. Ooh. So it doesn't have a much, much of a taste to it, but it's nutritious uh -huh. and, you know, at least it doesn't have a bitter taste, you know, right? It's yes. <laughs> something nutritious to add to your salads and, and smoothies. And, and that's another thing that, that grows best in this in this climate yeah that's a good point this is this is why i love these are some of my best friends right here because they can take the summer heat here and that's a great thing it's and they're virtually pest free and so that's another great thing easy to grow i'm surprised i didn't bring longevity spinach in here longevity spinach is is uh is one of my favorites to grow now with the longevity spinach, can you you just can only eat the leaves off of it? Yeah, yeah. The Not, you don't eat the stem part or anything, right? Probably could. I, I just never have, and that's yeah. I've never <laughs> never even thought about that. But yeah, and the stem is pretty tender, so I would think you could. Wow, that's great. That, do you know anything about the oxalates? I mean, do all spinach have them? Do you know about that? I know I'm asking you nutrition. Yes. Uh, no, no, yeah, that's that's a that's a, a good point. Um, let's see. Uh, the uh, so I believe it was Katuk that has. Uh, you know, I'm not really sure. I'd have to. Okay, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have asked you that because that's a nutrition class. I just know that it's it's in a lot of the greens that we eat and it most of them are on a level that your body is able to metabolate uh, metabolize and uh, right so you know it's you don't want to have too much of one thing like too much of Katuk you would have to have a, an enormous amount of 
consumption of Katuk for it to do you harm. But um, it, like if you're just juicing it like crazy or making it's if all of your green smoothie is Katuk, you could have lung problems. So, yeah. but like I said, you would have to have an enormous amount of it to to do it do you harm. It's got too much nutrition, so you know don't don't be afraid of don't overthink it. Adding it, to, <laughs> adding it to your salad and adding it. So I do a mixture of a lot of different things when I make my green smoothies, and the green smoothie is is I, you know I did a, a video on how I make uh, my green smoothies recently, and it's my favorite way to um, to get the greens from the garden into my diet. So I always make sure I have a, a good supply of the smoothie. I agree. I start my mornings off or my first meal. It's it's a, a big green smoothie and it has lots of vegetables and, you know, berries. And, and then I get my chia and flaxseed in and my uh, ginger and turmeric, just all the things that I think that are really important to have. So that this way, if I'm, you know, doing errands or running around, whatever I'm doing, and if I don't get to eat, you know, perfectly, I know that at least I started off my day with, with the things that, that my body needs. And, and I don't have to worry too much if I don't get everything in the rest of the day. Right. And herbs. I forgot to mention yeah. herbs. That's that's the third thing I, I always add to the green smoothie. So, I mean, there there's so much nutrition in the parsley that I'm growing and a lot of, and even some of the perennial herbs that I've, I'm growing. So, right. And people overlook herbs as, as a green, they're greens. And very medicinal. Go to cola. It's growing like a weed out there right now. Go to cola. Sorry, say that again. What, what was go, it? Go to cola. Well, I don't know what that is. <laughs> okay. It's uh, if you have insomnia, it's, it's known to, uh, you know, I'm not going to make any claims. I'm, I'm going to just tell you that uh, there. It's been said. <laughs> it's been said to cure insomnia, and and a lot of other things. So it's it's one of the the Ayurvedic. Uh, I have a hard time pronounce, pronouncing that word. Ayurvedic um, herbs that are medicinal and good to have in your diet. Um, but just like a lot of things, like like katuk, you don't want to have too much of it. it. They say if you like. I'll have it in my green smoothie and then I'll take a break from it for about a week or so. You're not supposed to be on it constantly. Oh, yeah. So that's, and that's something that's friendly for Southwest Florida, which is really cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. It loves this time of year, I think, too, because all of a sudden it's just started growing like crazy. Oh. <laughs> it's like a ground cover. Yeah. Now, can can we grow rosemary very well? Oh yeah, yeah. I just uh, I had a a bush for a couple of years, and uh, for some reason it it just died. Um, I had one that it, I don't know if this one got nematodes, but I've had one that got nematodes, and that's another challenge we have in South Florida. I didn't know what nematodes were until I came here. <laughs> They sound just as scary as they are. <laughs> so I'm going to do a series. I, I actually started a series on nematodes 
root knot nematodes. They're called well, root, that's great. Yeah, root knot nematodes because they cause knots on your roots and they're microscopic worms that cause havoc on your plants, especially tomatoes. People, I mean, the uh, your nightshade family plants and uh, and a lot of the brassicas. I've had them on brassica roots. And you, you see your plant isn't doing very well and you don't really know what the problem is. It's you, They're more susceptible to pests and disease and you think it's just that, no. And then you, you pull it up when it's dead and you see all these knots on the roots. Bingo, That's that was what, caught, what weakened your plant and made it less resistant to the pests and the diseases. And I wanna make a point, another thing that, that makes your our garden plants less resistant is planting them in season that they don't do they don't do well now these do well all year long you know they're not gonna they they may not do quite as well in you know this time of year or in the in the winter we're coming out of winter now <clears throat> so they're doing better now but uh you know when you're i'm talking about the more conventional veggies that you know, we got growing out in the beds right now. If you try to, if I try to plant uh, some of the brassicas, um, you know, or uh, some of the, the I'm, I'm trying to, cabbage. If you try to grow that in, in the summer, it's not gonna grow. It's not gonna do well. It's it's gonna get infested with bugs and, it, and the, it, it's just, you know. So knowing when to plant, what to plant, is really a, a big a big key here in South Florida. Florida. Really, anyway, but especially here. <laughs> right, right, and yeah, there's just so many so many challenges that you know. I mean, that for, on the one hand, things just really grow very well, and then on the other hand, you have those those little challenges. But if you can if you can figure out how to how to overcome them, what you are doing and you're you're going to be helping a lot of other people that can do that as well you know a lot of people are complaining about the white flies <laughs> oh my goodness yeah so my over at uh tree amigos they sell this powder it's called my control and it's uh it's something you mix in with water and it's uh it's a it's a fungus it's a well, for it's beneficial for us in that it it um, it kills the white fly. It'll it'll get into the white fly and ho their uh, use the white fly as a host, and then those will develop spores um, to to keep this mite control going. Uh, and it it kills uh, some aphids. I haven't had luck with with all aphids, but on my um, Barbados cherry tree, the aphids that get on that, for some reason, the aphids that get on that, um, I've had good luck with controlling. And I got to say about pest control, now it's Cynthia Schaefer, who started our, our Facebook page that, uh, you know, that we're both on, uh, South Florida Edibles and Sustainable Gardening. Um, so she started that page. Um, I'm, I'm part of that page. I'm not an admin or anything, but I gave Cynthia 
a, her own series on my uh, my YouTube channel called Urban Homesteading. And so she and I have, we bring two different approaches to organic gardening. Her approach is, and her motto is, what would the forest do? So uh, she doesn't do any sp any organic spraying. Uh, she she says whatever needs to happen, let it happen. You know, and sometimes I I go about that too, that way too, and I I, I give it a try and just oh well the aphids are are coming and you know let's just hope the predators come and and well they didn't they didn't soon enough and that year that I just I just let that happen with my cucumbers. Uh, sure enough, the the uh, ladybug larva came along, and the ladybug larva, if you don't know what those look like, look it up, because it doesn't look anything like a ladybug. Uh -huh. and you you don't want to kill these things, because they, they, they have a voracious appetite for eating aphids. So when, you've, when those show up in your garden, you want them to be there. So I had these show up, but they showed up a little late and my vines <laughs> died. And you know what? It wasn't the end of the world. I, I pulled my my vines up and planted something else. There's a time in the season for everything, right? <laughs> well, my cucumber season was over. Oh my goodness. So I, yeah, it almost seems like there should be like a a poster of, of the the insects and, and predators that you don't want to um, get rid of because things can be pretty scary looking. So the first impulse would be to try to get rid of it and, and it could very well be beneficial. So sure. <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a book on my shelf up there called Good Bug, Bad Bug. And oh yeah? So it'll, a good it'll one to look it up? Yeah, <laughs> so it'll show you what the larva looks like um, of you know, whether it's beneficial or not beneficial. What is the predator of of the the bad bug? So yeah, it's good to know those things. So so do you, I mean, there are people that they, they're all about um, ordering off, off of the internet, like they'll order uh, ladybugs or praying mantis to try to combat things. If, have you ever uh, talked to people about that? Where, where, where do you stand? So I've I've released quite a few ladybugs uh, that I buy at the because I like when I can I try to support local businesses and here we have the butterfly world here and they have ladybugs for sale so I buy ladybugs when I do uh, the problem with getting ladybugs is uh, you know they'll they'll eat a little bit and after you know the next day when you go out there. You might find a few, but most of them have gone. It's like maybe 65, 70% of them are, are gone. They flew away. And uh, by 48 hours, you'll be lucky if you find any. So they don't stick around. Um, but they'll, they'll help control the problem. Um, so back to what I was saying with, with uh, Cynthia Schaefer's version of what she – of of organic pest control versus mine. And we're going to do a video about this sometime. Uh, but basically, you know, I I will use BT. 
uh, to control uh, the worms that'll get on the, the brassicas and other things. Uh, I'll use neem oil. Uh, I use neem oil less than I used to because uh, using using it does stress out the, the plants a, a bit. So uh, if your plant is already stressed from from the pests, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, yeah, do you want to stress it out even more? And, and you wonder why your, your plant just died. Well, <laughs> right. So, and then you have to worry about like, you know, when, when to put it on because people put it on in the middle of the day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile. Yeah. So, so, and, and that's the challenge. I mean, we really, there's a, there's a lot to appreciate for when we, uh, go to the farmer's market and, and get organic produce, you know, for what, what these farmers are, are doing to, to try to do their best not to use these herbicides and pesticides. And it can be really discouraging to a gardener to uh, come across these kinds of challenges in the garden. And, and uh, after all the, all the, the, the planting and the, and the expense and the, and the hope <laughs> but you know i guess it's like you said that there's just sometimes you just have to say okay this plant's not going to make it you know and if you can plant maybe a variety of things in different locations something's got to take right sure you know i want to i i like that point that you made and uh, for new gardeners i want to say you know don't give up yeah just a lot of people they're, they say, well, I just don't have a green thumb. It doesn't, it doesn't work for me. I don't have a green thumb. I give up. Uh, no, it, a little bit of knowledge, and that's part of the, the mission of my challenge. A little, um, the, my channel, <laughs> excuse me, my channel. Um, a little bit of knowledge can go a long way in putting food on your table. So just knowing some of the things that are so easy to grow that it takes very little care. I mean, I, I don't have to spray this, uh, this vine or anything. I mean, when it, it finally did get aphids, but that's when it was almost a full year in its growth and it was in the winter. And this was just a few weeks ago where, and now I've, I've got a, a younger vine that is still thriving and it's starting to produce. And so, this is, uh, you know, but my point is, if if you're if we're not in the cool season, when we can grow just about anything, get some perennials that take no care at all or hardly any care at all, you know, and these these perennials are just pretty much carefree and don't have to worry about pests. Uh, or disease <clears throat> and uh, it's so much easier <laughs> oh you know so I, I gave up on on growing like zucchini so I, I've had some success with growing zucchini but I've learned that if it wasn't one thing it was another thing and it was always so much work for for the amount of food that I was getting and it, it was it was just frustrating you know and so I was like I decided why bother putting in all that work when 
you know, this this stuff, it's it takes very little work. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I, I was given, a few years ago, I was given longevity spinach in a little plastic pot. And I had a, a very large pot in my backyard and it had some flowering things in it. And I didn't have a, a, a place to plant this longevity spinach. So I just put the plastic pot with the long, little, little plant inside of the big pot. And I just kind of left, left it there because I never had longevity spinach. Mm-hmm. And it's only a few leaves on it, so I didn't, I couldn't, like, you know, pick enough off of it to taste it. And I just, I don't know, it seemed like a little, you know, funny feel to it when I touched it. So I just kind of let it go. And, you know, over like a year's time, it, the vine just kept growing longer and longer. I wasn't even trying to take care of it. And the roots were coming out the bottom of the pot, you know. And then finally, I just said, you know what? <laughs> Maybe there's something to this. And, uh, and yeah. I learned about how you could just take this long vine and cut it up into smaller pieces and then just stick each cutting directly into the soil, no preparation at all. And right. now I have this huge bed of, of longevity spinach, which I can, you know, harvest things and harvest it and uh, put it in my green smoothie or Sometimes I, you know, I, I buy greens from the store as well. And I'm like, oh goodness, my, I, I ran out of greens. I don't have enough to make my salad or my smoothie or whatever, but oh, I had that longevity spinach. So yeah. a lot of these things are really a great resource, especially if you're busy and you don't have time to, to really care for, for, for things in the garden. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, so I have something else here that, that I've been doing. Uh, I'm fairly new to fermenting but uh, this, I've learned that mustard greens are just incredible uh, when they're fermented, and this is a uh, this is a it's a giant giant Japanese red. It smells so good, so and tastes delicious. Um, I'm not really into spicy hot, and no one in my household is. So this takes a lot of the spice out and it leaves a lot of good flavor in. So there's that. And then this is a uh, daikon radish and some of the radish leaves. Uh, I normally ferment it. Well, I recently got these fermenting lids. Oh, that's really interesting. Is that that something that you would put like a vacuum hose? Not a vacuum cleaner, but a, a vacuum yeah no it has a pump a pump where you can pump yeah. the air out of it and uh, and i meant to to bring that into the room so i can show you but uh, then i've got a fermenting weight but you don't need a fermenting weight for for years i've i've done just uh, a ziploc bag put some water in it and use that as a fermenting weight and i didn't have you know any special lid i was just fermenting in something like this uh, so I only have three of these jars, so I'll, I'll ferment and then I'll add it to a jar like this. And uh, I've had, I, I've used up all the jars in my house, and so my husband is like, "It looks like a store, <laughs> fermentation going on, that's in the uh, in the other refrigerator in the laundry room." Um, well, I tell you, I mean, it's 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 important to have food on hand because you just never know when there could be an interruption 
of the supply chain and, and knowing that you have your organically grown, you know, nutritious, delicious foods that you've jarred up and, and, you know, at any time, if you just need something, it's there. That's fantastic. So. Yeah. I mean, and then star fruit, I mean, people, when they have an excess of something, um, you can uh, freeze dry it like uh, Cynthia Schaefer does, or, you know, I, I fermented this with, um, with some holiday spices and a little bit of, now I, I started uh, doing a little bit of exp uh, experimentation with, uh, you know, there's a little dill. I have some dill in there. Um, so I experimented with adding a little bit of apple cider vinegar. And what I just recently learned is now that this, the Dacon radishes, the household, members of my household hate the smell of this once I fermented this. Um, but it's not quite as bad as, as if I just put it in alcohol. This is all uh, apple cider vinegar and put it directly in the refrigerator. So next time I, I probably won't even use this. I mean, I didn't really need the special lid um, because and it tastes more like pickles than they do radishes. Oh. And I think isn't like the radish one of the easiest things to grow, is that right? Oh yeah. So that's a, that's a good newbie beginner thing to grow, a radish, would you say? Oh yeah. So so easy. Wow, that's great. So that I mean we could do a whole show just on fermenting. <laughs> right. And you want to get that beneficial bacteria that having a healthy a microbiome it's it's such a healthy part i mean such a important part of our health you know oh um, absolutely well it looks like we have some questions coming up so i think we're going to start taking some of the questions if you guys out there have a question just type it in the comments and even if you just want to say hi we like that too and uh let's see who who's up here oh and this one's from mary Mary Riley, thanks for joining us. Do you use cloth-type shopping bags like Walmart to grow vegetables in? That's interesting. I do have, uh, like, if, you, if you're talking about grow bags, um, I do have uh, some grow bags. Um, the, I don't use them as, you know, as much as uh, I know a lot of other people do, just because they dry out so easily. <laughs> you know, you just got... I don't. I don't have a watering system. Ever since, ever since I, uh, I discovered that I have nematodes and that nematodes can you can, you can, spread the contamination through a drip system like the drip system that I had, and so I, I did away with that. And then when I read the the book Square Foot Gardening by Mel Bartholomew, uh, what he recommends I do I do it by the book with with my with my watering my garden garden what he recommends is watering by hand and uh you know i, I joke about how yeah i carry around a bucket like laura ingles you know <laughs> but uh because when you're when you're hand watering the the benefit to that is you have more time to look at your plants and inspect and you're looking for diseases and pests and Oh well, this needs to be trimmed up. Oh, my tomatoes need to be pruned up. So, uh, you know, I, I don't mind doing, you know, spending a little more time 
watering by hand. Okay, let's see if we have another question. Tammy Ren. Hi, Tammy. Can you please repeat the names of the plants slowly so I can write them down? Well, he can repeat them, but I'm also going to be putting that in the show notes so that you guys uh, won't have to do that and you can be able to see it. But there are some people that, that are visually impaired, so hearing him again will be helpful to them. Okay. So this is, uh, these are both the South Sea Salad Tree. South Sea Salad Tree. Uh, and this is Kachuk, uh, K U. Uh, oh, okay. how do you spell that? K, K A T U K. Or yeah, you, yeah, yeah. And this is Cuban oregano, the variegated version. I have the non-variegated version also. Uh, See, there's a couple here that I, I didn't talk about, but this is Sisu spinach. Sea, like the ocean, and then, right? See. Yeah, that's how it's pronounced, but uh, it's S-I-S-O-O, or maybe it's a double S-O-O. We'll try to figure it out, or maybe you can send me the list and I can put it up in sure. the show notes. Yeah, let's, let's do it that way. Yeah. And this is cranberry hibiscus. Now this is a sister to longevity spinach. Uh, this is Okinawa spinach. And it's, it's a very similar and very uh, similar in taste, but it's got purple underneath the leaves. Oh, that's very pretty. Yeah. And it grows differently. It doesn't grow much as a ground cover. It's more of a bush, a, a short bush. Okay, so, let's see if we have another question. Sure. Angela W., what are the best things to use to amend soil? Hmm. Okay. So worm castings is always a good amendment. Uh, worm castings. Uh, you want to have some beneficial fungi. Uh, everyone loves a fungi, right? <laughs> uh, so mycorrhizal fungi is is uh, you, you can buy the spores. Um, I think you you can buy them around here. One of my favorite places to to get something like that is uh, Tree Amigos. I know they have it. Um, also the Urban Farming Institute, which is a mile and a half away from our house. Um, uh, so I, I buy uh, a lot of my my amendments from, from there. Uh, rock dust, uh, either rock dust also, because um, it has a lot of minerals, or uh, Tree Amigos, they sell a, a sea mineral, um, what do they call it, sea crop. And I use that also. I use it as as a foliar spray, and then there's during a season you'll you'll also do a drench. Um, so oh, compost. That's <laughs> that's my favorite amendment. Is is my homegrown or home homemade compost? Well, I did grow it too. A lot of it. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I make a big salad every day and I make a big smoothie every day. So I always have the cuttings that are left over from those things and, and uh, in, into the compost they go. And it's amazing how nature just d does her thing. And, and all of a sudden you've got really good stuff for the soil. And uh, we, I personally have experience with the worm castings from uh, Greenleaf Worm Farm. And I actually gave some to uh, my, my son had a friend who was interested in gardening. So I, and he had never heard of worm casting. So I said, I said, try this out. And he, and he actually planted broccoli from seed and put, and had two pots going one with and one without the worm casting and the one with the worm casting, everything else being equal. It was not just larger, but it was actually a deeper green. And, and they were both planted at the same time. It was just absolutely amazing. So I, I imagine all those things together are really great. But even, you know, just those worm castings are just fantastic. Oh, yeah. It's great. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a really good question. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Jamie R., what are the easiest edibles to plant and care for in Southwest Florida? So I think you covered some of them. Are there any others that you... Would yeah. that list? I, I would say at the top of my list is probably longevity spinach. It's just so easy, so easy to start. Um, these these are so easy to grow. Um, this grows like a weed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so moringa is 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 another one of my favorites and so nutritious. Uh, you know, it's it's a dynamic mineral accumulator. So the roots collect the minerals in the ground and they bring it up into the leaves and make it available to us and because of of its of that dynamic it's also good to compost so i cut a lot of it up and put it in the compost and then that ends up feeding the rest of my garden yeah that's great so you have organic compost feeding your organic garden yeah, that's, so that's just fantastic. It's not just it's not just compost; it's mineral rich, mineral rich compost, um, and and so and I mentioned the rock dust, the mineral you know rock dust. So azomite is is what I I'll, I'll put like a scoop into each compost uh, tumbler, and what you're doing is you're you're it's it it's it's not something that's available to plants right away because the, the microbes have to do their thing with it. And the microbes make it available to the plants. Right. Yep, it's just kind of chemistry and biology and all kinds of things going on. Oh yeah, it's, it's just amazing. Nature is just fascinating. Okay, Ray B. Hi, Ray. Thanks for tuning in. Which seeds are best to start indoors? I know a lot of people are, are thinking about starting seeds about now. So, uh, it actually July is when I do that. Is I'll, I'll have some some seeds in here under grow lights, and in in the laundry room I'll have more grow lights on the windowsill, and that's when I I do my my seeds starting indoors for my fall and winter garden, and so just about everything that I'm growing out there. I mean, there's there are some things like like carrots. Uh, some things that all that are just easier to just direct direct seed in the garden, 
but I like to get get a jump on the cool season. So, uh, well, last year I I was really behind because I had a back injury and just some other things going on. So I got a late start, and that's why I'm just now getting my tomatoes uh, harvested from the garden. But uh, so just so there's so many of them that that uh, can be started indoors the tomato plants you can you can do that indoors get a jump on the cool season okay jump on the cool season okay see if we have anything else oh uh t says thanks what do your show visitors what do you show visitors during your garden tour you were talking earlier that you ended on on the high note with the cranberry hibiscus. So you must have a really wonderful garden. What, what do you what do you do in the tour? What what can we see? So I mentioned my back injury and how you know I, I that really I, I could it was so bad that I could hardly walk, much oh. less get out to the garden. So I had to kind of like let things go and do Cynthia Schaefer's method. Um, so when when I, um, I I started on a rabbit trail, could you repeat the question, please, again? Yeah. So, what what do you uh, recommend to to grow? What do you show visitors during yeah. your garden tour? So, so I I did a garden tour. Uh, this was, um, let's see, October I think, October or November. So you can see that video. You can I, I show a, a couple of things that happened that I didn't. It, I was kind of surprised to see that, yeah, aphids took over on, on this one plant, but then there were the, the predator, the, pre the ladybug larva, and things like that. So um, depending on the time of year, you know, right now I would be showing off my, my garden beds. It really changes during, during the time of year. Uh, so in the summertime, because of the nematodes, I pull everything out of the beds that I have three, four by eight beds. And they're, they're it's the tabletop method, method of, of uh, square foot gardening, which is, it's up on cinder block. And the only reason I did that is because initially, because uh, it's on the north side of the house and it gets so much shade, shade this time of year. <clears throat> so being up, raised up, it gets a little more direct sun. Uh, Sorry, I'm getting off on another another rabbit trail here, but um, and so basically, uh, during the during during the summer, there's not much to see on my garden beds because I cover it with plastic and I solarize the beds to kill the nematodes. Yes, it kills everything, but then I, at the end of, like when it comes to uh, the end of the summer, I'll put fresh compost in there, worm castings, get get the the microbes going again and the the other microbes will regenerate the nematodes will not so Hi. in the in the uh in the summertime i can show you my fruit trees uh some of the fruit trees like my mango tree that i grafted another variety to it and i want to graft a, a third variety to it so yeah i've heard i've heard about people finding certain trees that were resistant to nematodes, and then they were grafting other trees to those trees. I have it blew a, my mind. <laughs> I had an eggplant tree that was about 
eight, seven or eight feet tall. And I had it for five years. It died last year, but I had these uh, ping pong eggplants hanging down, not all year long. You wouldn't produce all year long. You would take a break for maybe a few months and then it would start producing again. And uh, so, but I, that was grafted onto a wild cousin called Torvum, Selenum Torvum, and it kind of has uh, eggplant looking leaves. And so I, I just did a couple of fresh grafts out there and I actually did a, a short video, just a 60 second video showing me do the graft. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's, that's like being a, a surgeon. <laughs> it is. It, it's surgery. That, yeah. Okay. Oh, Jesse T. Hi, Jesse. Thanks for watching. Any recommendations for what a first time indoor gardener should buy? So that's a good question. Pot, soil, et cetera. I mean, that's great for, I mean, because not everybody's in uh, the Southern Hemisphere. So indoor gardening could be for anybody. Right. So that's, uh, that's a good question. That's not something that I've really, I've never been asked that question before. <laughs> so, you know, being indoors, you can grow, uh, you know, a lot of different things. Uh, you're not dealing with the, the elements. I uh, just need some grow lights and, uh, yeah. Maybe some herbs or something or. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I, I actually have a click and grow, cr click and grow lights where you uh, put the, the pods, you can buy the pods with, uh, that you stick in the, the water and it's, um, so it's, it's, it is a hydroponic type of thing I have up here. So you can grow basil and you, uh, they have all kinds of, but you can, you can pack your own soil and that's what I've been doing lately. And it's a great seed starter type of thing. <clears throat> okay. Oh, we're, we, oh, we have another question. Mary Riley does. Oh, do you have a natural weed killer? Yeah, we're all about yeah. away from those chemicals. Yeah, we don't we don't like Roundup. I no. <laughs> I, I use Roundup. I remember when I switched from Roundup to an off brand. It was like an Ace Hardware, uh, their their own you know off brand, and I was using that, and then I realized this has glyphosate in it too. The same yeah. ingredient that Roundup has, and it's cancer-causing glyphosate that's in a lot of our food. I mean, about 90% of people, they've, they've, they've done the, the urine tests um, and found glyphosate in their urine. So this is, this is why you want to eat organic as much as possible and uh, grow your own that you know is not contaminated with glyphosate. And you wonder why, you know, we've had such a high case of, uh, of autism in the, in, you know, since the nineties and a lot of other diseases. Well, <laughs> I've been working with, well, I, I've been working in film with, uh, with this company where. Oh, can you, can you just, we, I want to go into that, but I think Mary yeah. wanted to know what you use. Do you have something that you recommend? Oh yeah, I'm sorry. That's I'm okay. On a rabbit trail again. That's but, all right. So, we yeah. could go, we could do like, uh, Weekly episodes and still not have enough time to cover all the things that you know. <laughs> I know, I know. So the so I, I love this question. So it's it's really simple. What I use is 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 mostly vinegar and white vinegar. 
yeah, white distilled, just the cheapest you can find okay. white vinegar. And, uh, and then I'll add about, you know, a table, tablespoon in a gallon. I'm not even, well, I, the mixture that I use is in a, a smaller, smaller than a gallon, but it would be a, a, about the equivalent of a tablespoon of like a dish soap. Um, you want to use a biodegradable dish soap. Uh, so I use a, uh, Dr. Bonner's. So use something like that that's biodegradable. Uh, and some Epsom salt. Uh, a lot of people will add actual, sometimes I'll use actual salt in it, but you know, that can be harmful to the soil. And so if it's going to be on pave, the weeds that come up in pavers, that's fine, but you don't want to, you know, damage the soil that's nearby other plants that you're, you're growing. Oh, that's, I'm glad you talk, talked about that because I heard people talk about using salt and then also using just dish soap and, and, and you clarified that, that maybe the Dr. Bonners or some other kind of uh, natural type of soap would be good. That's, that's good to know. I think yep. we have another question. Let's see. What's your favorite? Oh, this is Garden State Gardener. What's your favorite peppers for hot and medium salsa? I am the wrong person to ask that. <laughs> That's I, right. You said I you don't like spicy. So what, How about in your family? Anybody in your family? No. My no. whole household. My mother-in-law lives with us. And no, we don't. We can't handle. So what other people consider mild is extremely hot for me. Uh -huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, at least everybody's agreeing in the household, so that that <laughs> yeah. we don't have, yeah. you have to make separate things for people. Uh, Stacy Dion, hi Stacy. What do you think of hydroponic garden towers with regards to nutrients? I really want to get one uh, with the light kit. Okay, so, so I go inside with the light kit with the hydroponic tower. What say you? So my, I'm, I haven't really. I'm not experienced in hydroponics and hydroponics is not considered or organic, but right. I, do, I do have this that I, I most, I mostly use for, um, let me see, let me turn this up here. I don't really have much growing in there now, but, uh, you know, it is, it is a, a really basic, um, hydroponic system and so basic that it's kind of short term, short lived. Probably if I if I did the whole nutrient thing, then things would probably grow uh, longer. But anyway, yeah. I mean, I I've, I've not used it because I I thought that there was something about wh what do you do with the chemicals once you're done with them? Is it is that an environmental uh, concern about yeah, like, dumping out the chemicals afterwards? Right. Good question. I, I, I'm probably the wrong person to ask about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's why I wound up with a, with a grow tower that you can do indoors. Um, okay. but, but it's not hydro hydroponic. So, okay. Right. right. I think, I think that we have, I think that that's all our questions. I don't think that we had any, uh, other questions and you were, coming out trying to talk about something with a film and I interrupted you because I wanted to finish up one of our questions so let, let's get back to that 
Okay, so uh, I was yeah I was talking about glyphosate and how um, and this was another film project that I did for the Institute for Responsible Technology, and it showed the in this graph that I animated. Uh, it showed that as they as the farm as they started using the farm started using glyphosate more and more since the the mid nineties. Which we know is Roundup, but it's it's basically yeah. killer, right? Right, it's the key ingredient in, in Roundup, and a lot of the weed killers, herbicides. <clears throat> so, it what followed the the same track almost identically was the rise in cases of autism and heart disease, um, brain fog. I mean, just so many different things, and. Uh, so, but what I want to, what, what I really wanted to pitch from what I've been working on in the past year is a short documentary, documentary that you can, you can view the, the trailer for this film that's going to be released, uh, probably, uh, the 1st of April. Of 2021. Of, of 2021. Okay. So just in a matter of weeks it's it's uh, expected to be released it's called don't let the gene out of the bottle don't, Ooh, let, don't let the gene, gene it's gene yes i have poured my heart and soul into this it's a short film short documentary but the trailer is available you can view it at protectnaturenow.com please take a look at it and uh and share it too it's uh it's something i, I can't oh and in this film, uh, a lot of a lot of people in the organic uh, gardening and farming business they they know who Dr. Elaine Ingham is. Um, Dr. Elaine Ingham, uh, she is a soil biologist, and she her uh, her website is uh, I think it's the Soil Web, something yeah the Soil Web. Anyway, she she it's she's featured in this film and. This film, it's much more than what happened to her in the uh, 1991, uh, but she was very involved in this, this, uh, or there was a connection to a, uh, I don't want to give too much away, so I'm, right. I'm, I'm being very careful here. Just watch the trailer and... Uh, we'll put a link to it in the show notes so people can just go click on that and, and watch it. I know there's a lot of us that are that are in the audience are kind of aware of, of the glyphosate and the problems that uh, that it poses and so forth. So I think that, that they'd all be very interested to see what what you have to say about it. And, okay, and also check out my channel, my YouTube channel, Stack Server and Harvest. <laughs> and okay, I we'll put a link to that too. And and like I said in the intro, I mean we talked a lot about you know South. Florida and so forth and, and the plants, but you you have knowledge about uh, other areas of the globe too, so you can be helpful to, to other people, not just people in the Southern Hemisphere, if they have gardening questions. And you offered that uh, if anybody's question didn't get answered, that you would be happy to, to do that. And we'll put that link up for them so that they can connect with you and ask those questions also. Yes, my email address. Yes. Harvest at, at gardener.com. Right. I'm glad you said that. And uh, is it, I think, was there anything else that you wanted to add? 
I think that's about it. <laughs> Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, I'm so glad that you're here. And I'm so glad that our wonderful audience who are watching and listening are, are with us as well. I wanted to take this moment to uh, thank somebody that's been engineering in the background that uh, really makes us look so good because she's been uh, driving the plane while we get to watch watch the movie in first class. And that's uh, Rebecca from PKA Styles. And she's been quietly in the background help, helping out, giving the questions and doing all the engineering stuff so that we can have, enjoy our conversation together without too much worrying about that. And then I also wanted to thank uh, Jessica from JustTaseVoice.com. And she did the voiceover in the countdown in the beginning that, that you heard. And you can listen to it again. She has a lovely voice and does uh, voiceovers. And But most of all, I want to thank you guys, you guys that are watching and listening. Without you, we, we wouldn't be doing this, obviously. But you are voting on the internet. So vote for this by watching it and liking it and sharing and subscribing and, and going over to um, David's channel because that's how you tell YouTube and the internet that this is the thing you want to watch and it'll come up more in other people's searches who aren't familiar with organic gardening or uh, healthy eating. And they'll more likely see this kind of information come up in the feed if you just click like. Or like I said, you can, you can end with us um, when, when we sign off. And also, uh, before we go, I wanted to talk about our next guest, and that's going to be Dr. Michael Clapper, Friday, March 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern, right here. This man is a medical doctor, and if you have any questions about the whole food plant-based lifestyle, anything health-related, because he is an MD, you are going to have an opportunity to ask your questions here. So and any kind of uh, medical question that you have or a nutrition question, he is just stock full of, of valuable, valuable information, and we're so fortunate to have him with us, and I really hope that you join us. And I just wanted to thank you all again for, for joining us. Till we see you guys again, be strong, be well, and be green. <laughs> Bye.